If you were asked to name some common Christian spiritual practices, there's a good chance prayer is one of the first things that would come to mind, along with things like reading the Bible, tithing, and worship. Prayer is an important and valuable discipline for our spiritual growth and our relationship with God. And yet many Christians are hesitant to pray or admit they aren't sure if they're praying right. So let's examine scripture to better understand the spiritual discipline of prayer and learn how we can cultivate this practice in our daily lives. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Dave Bast. And Scott, we are in the middle of a series, actually a second series, looking at various spiritual disciplines. And perhaps this is a great year to do that. <laughs> Many of uh, us through 2020, it's a year that we'll never forget. But one thing it's done, it's given us more alone time and time perhaps to devote to cultivating a deeper relationship with God. Right. And we've been saying that these disciplines, these are practices, habits, really, habits of the heart, habits of mind, things that we do regularly and intentionally so that they form part of the rhythm of our lives. So we've looked at Sabbath. We've looked at keeping our commitments. We're going to be looking at things like worship and, and confession and, and other such things. But on this program, we want to turn to something that you mentioned in the introduction already, Dave, uh, and that is probably the most common, most recognizable of all Christian practices or disciplines, prayer. Right. And in an earlier series, also devoted to the spiritual disciplines, we talked about prayer a little bit in connection with the practice of fasting. Uh, but today we want to revisit this. Prayer is probably, if not the most important, certainly one of the top two or three of all the spiritual disciplines we could undertake and cultivate. And to help us look at this whole subject in a more general way, we have a special guest with us in the studio today. She's uh, Emily Vanden Heuvel, and uh, she's on the staff, actually, of Reframe Ministries, which is the organization that sponsors Groundwork, along with a number of other programs and websites. Emily is the coordinator for prayer ministries for Reframe Ministries. So welcome, Emily. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good to have you with us, Emily. And just talk a little bit about prayer. And in this first segment, we want to talk about prayer and scripture. But uh, the theologian Howard Thurman made an interesting observation once. He said that the only thing in the Bible that the disciples ever ask Jesus to teach them is how to pray. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, prayer is not a complicated activity at all. It is simply a conversation with God. It's a way that we talk to God and we listen to God. Tim Keller writes that as a gift of the Spirit, prayer becomes the continuation of a conversation that God has started. And so it's in our response to talk to God. And that's what it is. It's not complicated at all. Seems like all of us know how to talk, but talking to God kind of raises that to another level. But I liked what you said about conversation and listening, because in addition to talking, we need to listen. And in fact, maybe begin by recognizing that God is the one who initiates the conversation. Yes, he does. And we see that in Scripture right at the very beginning. And so we read right in um, the book of Genesis in chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are walking and talking with God in the cool of the evening, and God starts this conversation. And what's interesting is 
through this telling of Adam and Eve and their relationship with God, we don't ever get to read the or hear about the conversations they have until they sin. In Genesis 3.8, that first conversation occurs and God reaches out to Adam and Eve after they've sinned and after they've disobeyed and he offers them grace. That's an interesting observation. I haven't thought about that. We don't know what they talked about until the subject got a little grim because of their sin. But one of the things that I think that brings up, Emily, if prayer is truly a conversation started by God, perhaps one of the reasons more people don't pray today is because they aren't listening. They, they don't realize they're being addressed all the time in some ways by God. And so naturally, they don't reply. That Initial question that you referred to, Emily, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking for Adam's GPS coordinates as if he didn't know where Adam was hiding. It was an invitation, wasn't it, mm. to Adam to respond, to speak back to God, to come back into this relationship that had been broken by sin. Right. And I think often we struggle with feeling unworthy to talk to our creator and God will reach out to us and say, where are you? And it's responding to God out of obedience and responding to God with a heart that is receptive and receiving of that grace and that love. And we see that all through Scripture, that same model. And it continues on with the prophets, where God continues to reach out to his people despite their sin and disobedience. And, for example, in Jeremiah 29, a very popular verse of Jeremiah 29, 11, that many of us are familiar with, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 12 and 13 says, Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the people of God at that point are in great distress because they're exiled away in Babylon. They're away from all that is familiar. Um, for 70 years, they're disconnected from what they feel is God's love and God's grace. And then God continues to reach out to them and build that relationship. Which is so key because I think we said a minute ago that maybe one of the reasons people don't pray is they aren't listening. They, they don't mm. realize there is a God who's already talking to them. And probably a lot of people think, particularly sometimes people outside of the church, maybe even people in the church, are a little afraid of what God might say because mm -hmm. he's, you know, what is God going to say? He's going to tell me I'm a terrible sinner. He's going to judge me. Uh, he's going to thunder at me like some, you know, Zeus on, from Mount Olympus. And, and yet God in, in Scripture again and again, when he comes to people in their sin, he speaks gently. He speaks graciously like he did to Adam and Eve, like he did through Jeremiah to his exiled people. Yeah, they're being punished. But God's part of the conversation kind of always begins and ends with grace, doesn't it? You know, what was interesting, Emily, when you read that verse from Jeremiah, what jumped out at me was, if you seek me. Hmm. So we've already seen that God is a seeking God. He takes the first step. We saw that in Genesis 3. But we need to reciprocate, I think, don't we? Uh, do we really want to talk to God? Do we, as Scott pointed out, maybe we're feeling some guilt or uh, feeling some distance? And there has to be this sort of mutual desire. It was, certainly it's there on God's part. It made me think of Psalm 42, as the deer longs mm -hmm. for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. Do we really long for God and want to talk to him? And I think that's part of that spiritual discipline is reaching out to God when we don't want to. 
um, when we're either ashamed or afraid or we feel unworthy or we just don't have the desire. And it's that constant daily task of reaching out to God and listening. And it is a discipline, even in human relationships, even in marriage. People in marriage sometimes don't ever talk anymore. They stop talking. Sometimes you see people out at restaurants, a couple sitting at a restaurant, and they don't speak the whole evening. Even in a marriage where you're living in the same house as somebody, you need to cultivate the practice of conversation, and it certainly is the same with God. Well, we've seen that Scripture uh, demonstrates a, a rich tradition of prayer, also points out the, the importance of prayer, but we'll, we'll look at a bit more why we pray, and we'll consider that in just a moment. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Dave Bast, along with Scott Jose, and today we're also joined by Pastor Emily Vandenhuvel, and you're listening to Groundwork, where we're talking about the spiritual discipline of prayer. Emily, we're just looking in the first segment about a little bit of the history of, the, of prayer, and one thing we pointed out was that prayer is, at its heart, a conversation. And, uh, as you pointed out, too, from the beginning in Genesis already, it's a conversation that God initiates and then we respond. Uh, so that's a little bit about the what of prayer, uh, but in this part of the program, we want to talk about, you know, why we pray. Well, there's lots of reasons why we pray. I think initially, um, primarily, it's out of thanksgiving. It's out of a thankful heart that we come to the Lord. And I think of the uh, scripture passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. And so prayer, then, is this utter and total dependence on God, and out of that is our um, response of a thankful heart. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to recognize that prayer isn't just asking God for stuff. Yes, we present our petitions, we present our, our needs, our requests, Paul says, but we do it rejoicing mm -hmm. in the presence of God, the fact that the Lord is near to us, in fact, he's within us, and we do it with thanksgiving too, so remember to say thank you. <laughs> right, and it's this text of pray continually, and often um, we can get into this habit of just praying before a meal or praying before bed, but the challenge of can you go through your whole day and continue to pray and praise God? So praising him for the beautiful sunshine, praising him for food to eat, praising him for safe travels as you go to and from to even the grocery store. In the first part of the program, we said maybe one of the reasons people don't pray more is they aren't listening more. And maybe one of the reasons we don't give thanks more is we don't realize that everything we have is a gift from God. 
you know, in our lives, uh, if you give somebody a good present, uh, or even sometimes I've had it, maybe we, you all have had it, uh, uh, Dave and, and Emily, you know, you go to a wedding and you buy a nice present and you never get a thank you card. And some weeks later, it's like, you know, they're not, something's not right there. Uh, that's rude. You know, they, they should say thank you. We're going to think about a little bit that more in a conversation we're going to have about worship in another program in this series. But it's just fitting to do what Paul says, which is rejoice always. Of course, the Psalms are filled with this sort of feeling and expression of praise and thanks. I think, for example, of Psalm 66, where the psalmist actually wants to tell other people (laughs) about how good God has been and how he's answered his prayer. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Sin can interrupt that conversation with God, can't it? Does that mean if we sin at all, uh, we're kind of done for, or it destroys prayer or the possibility of prayer? Well, I think that when our sin is overwhelming, that's when we cry out to God more, and that's why prayer is such um, an incredible gift from God, is despite the weight of our sin or how ashamed we feel or how guilty we may feel, it's that activity of reaching out to God and asking Him to forgive our sins and knowing that He has forgiven our sins and while living in a way our shame and our guilt can prevent us from doing a lot of things, but it's when we confess our sin to God and we give him all of the dirty little things in our heart that there's some freedom there to pray to God with confidence and know that he listens. You know, though, it's not always that easy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to just speak from personal experience. I know there have been mornings in my devotional time when I didn't want to pray at all. In fact, I didn't pray because I was too embarrassed about maybe something I had done the day before. And uh, you have to kind of get past that and uh, go back again and do that. As you say, just confess and be open before God. One of the things that we haven't really talked about, and this isn't really so much um, the why of prayer, which is kind of what we're talking about in this part of the program, and yet uh, something that that happens is, you know, we've probably— Maybe it's a bumper sticker slogan, you know, that prayer changes us. Our being honest with God opens us up to God's grace. But it's also been a kind of a truism for a long time that when you pray regularly for God's will, that kind of has a shaping effect on you, right? Maybe you start to desire the things God desires more. The writer Lauren Winner said in the act of praying, sometimes it's our feelings that change, which I think is kind of interesting. Talk a little bit, Emily, about the example of Jesus, the way Jesus modeled prayer for us. And and can we sort of adopt that ourselves or learn from that? Well, yeah, Jesus is this perfect example of what prayer looks like and sounds like. And so through the Gospels, we read lots of um, examples. And so Jesus modeled it himself um, after his baptism. Um, that we read in Luke, and he was praying, and heaven opened up. And then it talks about how Jesus would go to a quiet place. And so he, in the Gospel of Mark, it talks about while it was early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then there's another example of when he was feeding the 5,000. And in the Gospel of Mark, again, it says he went up to a mountainside to pray. 
And then in Luke, again, it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, we see all of these examples about how Jesus um, would connect with his Father and pray to his Father. And what a great model that is for us to continue to connect with God in all situations. Yeah, it's interesting because every time Jesus disappeared, the disciples didn't know where he was. When they found him, he was praying. I mean, like every time they found him and he was praying. But here's the other thing that's interesting, Emily and Dave. When they found him, they essentially said, what are you doing praying? We got stuff to do. You know, people are looking for you as though the prayer wasn't important. But Jesus knew that all that other stuff he had to do, the preaching, the healing, telling parables, it was all fueled by prayer. Uh, And yet the disciples often sort of regarded it as something he shouldn't be wasting his time with because folks are looking for you. What are you doing here praying? So, right, the example of Jesus, hopefully that soaked in eventually for the disciples. It's like, Boy, every time Jesus had a five seconds to spare, he prayed. I guess that tells us a little something about what it means and to pretty, be a follower. Pretty clearly, he's not confessing his sins no, <laughs> with no. all that time devoted to prayer. So there's something deeper here for us, I think. It's the nurturing of the whole relationship. I mean, Jesus was the one person who lived in perfect consciousness of his oneness with the Father. And it was prayer that enabled that even to deepen and to be experienced. But we still often wonder, how should I pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? Well, we'll think about that as we close out the program in just a minute. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Emily Vandenhuvel. We're talking about prayer as a continuing, ongoing conversation with God. Uh, it's a discipline. Uh, we have to motivate ourselves to do it regularly to kind of uh, keep our prayer muscles in tone. Emily, sometimes people wonder, is there a wrong way to pray? Do I dishonor God? Should I be afraid to pray? And what, what should we think about that? Yeah, with my work with Reframe, I get a lot of emails and requests and people asking me, am I doing this the right way? Does God listen to my prayers? And so people are really asking about, am I asking God the right way? I think of this uh, verse from Hebrews chapter 4, 16 that says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of need. And so that's the reminder and the promise that we can approach God's throne with confidence. Um, Thinking back through what we've talked about already, um, God has invited us in. He's given us his grace. He listens to us, and he promises to listen to us. Yeah, there's probably only one wrong way to pray based on Scripture, and that's to pray like the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus said they're really praying to show off. Uh, they're, they're not praying to God. They're praying for the benefit of their audience. And so don't do that. But as long as we're sincere in our desire to speak with God, I don't think there is a wrong way or a wrong thing to say. 
as we see from the Psalms, you can bring anything to God, your feelings, your anger, your guilt, your whatever. Yeah, we've looked uh, quite often, uh, particularly in the um, year of 2020, the pandemic year, we often looked at lament. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Emily, it's interesting that you uh, you get inquiries about, am I praying wrong? Boy, very few of us would dare pray the way some of the psalmists did, where they really kind of yell at God. They kind of let God have it. What's wrong with you, God? Why have you gone off duty? As Dave said, if it's on your heart, God can take it. It's not a wrong way to pray, uh, right? The only time Jesus says there's a wrong way to pray is what Dave just said, if you're being a show-off. But Emily, tell us a little something or share what kind of practical advice you'd give to someone who says, I just don't know what to say. I, I just, the words don't come for me. And that can be difficult when we think about praying to the creator and the sustainer of the universe and how overwhelming that can be, especially when we're feeling small. Um, I look at um, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us, and using that as a form. And I'll read here from Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, and it says, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we look at different types of prayer. Quite often they will contain things, confession, praise, intercession, or that's praying for other people, thanksgiving. Um, It can also be asking for things. Um, A prayer can have all of those elements or a prayer could just have one of those elements. Reframe Ministries has an ebook on, on how do I pray. People have probably heard this, but if you could just unpack, Emily, the uh, ACTS, the A-C-T-S model that we sometimes uh, recommend to people. Yeah, acronyms are an easy way to remember things. So for me personally, this particular prayer practice is one I've used often when I don't know what to say or how to say. And it's the acronym A-C-T-S, and it's Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and supplication, or supplication is a um, another word for um, asking God to meet our needs. Interesting, too, you referred to the Lord's Prayer. Way back at the beginning of the program, we made reference to the disciples coming to Jesus saying, Lord, teach us how to pray, the way John taught his disciples. That's from Luke 11. And right after that, Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel. So, This is a direct response to Jesus' followers who want to know how to pray um, more effectively or or more appropriately. And Jesus says, in effect, we'll start with God. Just think about God. Give him praise. Hallowed be your name. God, may your, your nature be known, your goodness, your grace. And then go on to yourself and your needs, both physical and spiritual. And of course, we pray that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We pray it literally, word for word. Many Christians have long, long, long had it memorized. We have it on wall hangings. So, and that's appropriate. But as you just said, Dave and Emily, you too, contained in that is also the pattern of prayer. It's not just those words that are magic. It's the pattern. And that ACTS is in there. The adoration, the, the confession, the thanksgiving, the supplication, it's all in there. Everything from the glory of God to our daily bread to our being forgiven and forgiving others. So it's not just a prayer to recite, I wrote, it's a pattern to um, model our own praying after. And if you could say one thing, Emily, to encourage people to pray, what would it be? It would be just to do it and to simply communicate to God what's in your heart and to not be ashamed of 
speaking not just the things that are painful, but also the things that bring joy and bring happiness, but to have a conversation with God about all the ups and the downs and the joys and the sorrows. And there's a wonderful verse uh, toward the end of the book of James that says, the prayer of a righteous person, and remember we're righteous in Christ, not necessarily in ourselves, but it is powerful and effective. And maybe the greatest effect, the greatest power it can have is in changing us. Exactly. And thanks be to God for that gift. Well, thank you, Emily, for joining us. It was good to have you. Happy to be here, too. And thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Dave Bast and Scott Jose, and our guest today was Emily Van Inhuvel. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study the Scriptures to better understand the spiritual discipline of reconciliation. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com, our website, to share what Groundwork means to you and make suggestions for what you'd like to hear discussed on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.